this is The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast going beyond the politics and policies to focus on the people who lead in our communities, states, and nation. Conversations that restore the civility we need in our politics, while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a resource from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Welcome to The Leaders We Need. I am your host, Joel Harder. Last week, I had the opportunity to host a bipartisan panel discussion on restoring civility, making your voice heard beyond the ballot box. This was part of the launch of the book, When Leaders Matter, How Civility, Integrity, and the Leaders We Need are Possible, now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at whenleadersmatter.com. I was joined in Oklahoma City by two very good friends and elected members of the Oklahoma House of Representatives, Republican Representative Tammy West. She is the caucus chair of the majority party and serves District 84, which is Northwest Oklahoma City, parts of Bethany and War Acres, and also my good friend, Representative Jason Dunnington, who represents District 88. On today's episode, we're going to listen in to this panel discussion. Unfortunately, the audio from Representative Tammy West just didn't come out well enough to use in the podcast, and so with great apologies to her, uh, what we're going to do today is just look at the responses that Representative Jason Dunnington gave. And so I'm going to cut in throughout the podcast and let you know the question that was asked, and then we're going to listen together as Jason responds to that question. And I'm going to have Representative Tammy West join me on a future episode of The Leaders We Need very soon. We're also going to do more of these. Conversations like this one are an important part of the work of Oklahoma Capital Culture, bringing together leaders from both political parties and across our state to have difficult conversations, bringing diverse people and perspectives together, and having the important conversations that navigate a way forward and solve the real problems we're facing. The truth is, there's a lot of work like this happening. It doesn't get the press it deserves. It's often behind the scenes. And that's why capital culture exists, to bring more of these conversations to the forefront so that you can hear and get to know the work that is being done by by leaders in our state and by leaders in our communities. There's great hope for the future of civil discourse in our society, and we can navigate out of the incivility that we are seeing right now. It's simply a matter of whether or not we're willing to engage. You can be a very important part of expanding this work, of helping us to shape a culture of civility, integrity, and servant leadership. And the first thing you can do is simply like this podcast and subscribe, follow, leave a comment, let us know what you enjoy about it, what you'd like to hear more of, and share it. You can also go to capitalculture.com and find out more about future conversations currently being planned across our state. Become a financial supporter. Donate to the work we are doing. All donations are 100% tax deductible in this current year. Well, let's get to the conversation with Representative Jason Dunnington from the panel discussion last week in Oklahoma City, Restoring Civility, Making Your Voice Heard Beyond the Ballot Box, today on The Leaders We Need. 
When Leaders Matter, How Civility, Integrity, and the Leaders We Need Are Possible by Dr. Joel W. Harder. Forward, written by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. In When Leaders Matter, Chaplain Joel Harder presents a three-step approach to engage leaders and restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. When that happens, leaders will be able to work and inspire our communities, states, and nation to address the real problems we are facing and navigate a way forward that will benefit all of us. When Leaders Matter, how civility, integrity, and the leaders we need are possible. Available now on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and BarnesandNoble.com. The first question posed to both Representatives West and Dunnington was for them to consider from their vantage point as elected leaders, as legislators serving in the state capitol, what do they see as the factors that are contributing to the incivility fueling the hostility in our political discourse today? Things that are driving incivility. Um, maybe two words. Uh, social media um, is driving a lot of incivility right now. I'm, I'm sure many of you in the room uh, are, um, are no stranger to, uh, to some social media of some form or another. Um, I seem to find new forms of it because I have two middle school kids and I'm like, uh, what, what is that that you're looking at? That's some new form of social media, but yeah, I, I think that this idea and, and maybe that's oversimplifying it, but you know, we live in a, in an era where, um, everyone has a microphone now and everyone uses that microphone, uh, in a way that I think that they wouldn't ordinarily use it if they were sitting across the table from someone. And, um, and that's changed the way that we talk to each other. It's changed the, the kind of language that we use with one another. And when you, when you force that into a system that has two major political parties, then immediately you find yourself in a place where um, you're trying to ask the kind of questions that will uh, let you know if you're talking to friend or foe. Um, and then you're either letting your walls down because you know they're on your side, uh, or you're putting your walls up because you assume that they believe something that's different from you. Um, what my experience has shown me, uh, both in politics and out, uh, is that most of us um, agree on more things than we disagree on. But we're forced into these categories. Um, and when we get forced into them, we, we act and react in ways that make it more difficult for us to have the kinds of important conversations that we need in order to get things done. And so, um, you know, I, I hate to just blame incivility and politics right now on, on social media. I mean, it, it brings us lots of fun things as well. You know, I uh, was catching up on my, my cousin who's having a wedding tonight uh, that was supposed to be three months ago but because of COVID had to cancel it. It's doing it tonight in a small ceremony and I got to catch up with some of it because of social media. So there are good things about it, but I do think that it's, it is creating um, new challenges for us as we try to figure out how to communicate in the 21st century. 
A point I often make on this podcast is that our leaders do in fact disagree. We don't actually send them to the Capitol to agree with one another. We send them there to represent us and their respective districts and constituencies to skillfully navigate the areas of disagreement. Next, I asked Jason to talk about some ways in which he has seen his colleagues in the state capitol and the House of Representatives navigate areas of disagreement. Yeah, I think it's a great question. So what I would say on that is there's a real big difference between disagreeing with someone and disliking someone. And, you know, I don't know that we do a good enough job of understanding the difference. Mm-hmm. And and I do think that social media causes some of that problem. Um, so the, the best way to do this is give an example. Um, the second year that I was in office, um, I had spent the first year just trying to figure out what is this job and how do I do it uh, in a way that's both effective for those that I represent in the district, um, but also in a way that allows me to be in community with everyone that I'm elected with. So trying to see it a little bit differently, seeing it more as a member of the Oklahoma House of Representatives and not just a member of a political party. And I remember it was, I had finished the first year, we were going into the second year, we were having hearings um, at the Capitol, all of the big agencies uh, had their directors out. We were able to go in prior to session, ask them questions, kind of, you know, get our bearings about the budget. And I remember, um, you know, being there, being invested in it, having questions that I wanted to ask. Um, But I remember uh, listening to what was being said and trying to simultaneously tweet about it. Um, And as I was doing it, I thought that I was, you know, doing a great job. You know, I was I was letting people know in House District 88 that, you know, what was happening and, and I was their voice for them. But I wasn't necessarily listening to what was being answered as to what I wanted the reality to be as I was, you know, so smartly tweeting about it. And I remember when it was done, um, a member who had served longer than I had, um, and I don't think he would be upset if I said his name, but Representative Martin, he was from Norman uh, at the time, doesn't serve any longer, but he came up to me afterwards and pulled me aside. um, And it was a great experience for me, but pulled me aside and said, hey, look, you're doing a good job. And I think you're here for the right reasons. And people have a high regard for you and, and the way that you interact with others. But I'm sitting here reading your tweets during this, and all I hear is that we, the Republicans, are doing a terrible job. And I'm trying to figure out how to balance between who you say you're trying to be and what your social media is reflecting. And I thought, wow, how nice of him to come and tell me that I was being an idiot in, you know, no, no such, you know, like better words, but without doing it in a way that was calling me out um, other than just having a face to face. And I took that to heart. And I took from that experience that my role there wasn't to call everyone out for what they were or were not doing. My role was to be an example of what I wanted others to do. Um, something that I learned growing up, you know, treat others as you wish to be treated. And so I, I learned a valuable lesson about how important it is that you can use social media as a tool to disagree with one another. And I certainly have done that. 
Um, I have had my fair share of, of posts about where I disagreed with my colleagues um, and with the majority party here in Oklahoma. But I always did so in a way that at the end of it, when I pushed send, that for any of them that would have read it, that they wouldn't think that I disliked them. And they wouldn't come to me um, and pull me aside and say, hey, you know, what's the deal? I thought we were friends because we are friends and we disagree with each other on getting things done. But it's in that disagreement. We're capable of finding space that we can move toward one another. And for me, that's important um, as an elected Democrat in a state that's a majority Republican. I know that there aren't a lot of Democratic ideas that are going to get passed through the House the Senate and signed by the governor. But if some of them get through, or at least if Republican ideas that move through, they have our, um, our voice, our, our spin, our ideas wrapped into them, that's okay as well. But you can't do that if what you constantly put out is dislike instead of disagreement. At this point in the conversation, we had talked a lot about social media, specifically a lot of what's wrong in social media. But I did mention that, especially when COVID came into the state, I had seen the elected leadership of our state, the representative senators, really utilize their online platforms to powerfully communicate to their districts. The state health department was putting out a lot of information, and our representatives were important conduits of of information sharing, breaking those numbers down in a way that were really meaningful to the context of their respective districts. And so I did ask Jason to talk a little bit about what he saw as some positive ways in which social media uh, can can be utilized by leaders and in our political discourse. Something that's good about COVID. Oh, no, no. Okay, that wasn't the question. Um yeah, I mean, I think you're right. There were a lot. I mean, I, I found myself oftentimes um, uh, looking at, at my colleagues' uh, social media and thinking, wow, you know, like, that's a really great piece of information. You know, I need to share that as well. Um, and, you know, figuring out ways to, to disseminate information in that way. Um, and I think that it's been incredibly helpful. Um, so a colleague earlier today, Representative McIntyre, who I think maybe the only member of the legislature that has every single day since COVID started put an update on his social media about uh, COVID and, you know, both uh, very specific to Duncan, his area, but also, um, you know, talking about state numbers as well um, to the point that a lot of us are now like looking at Representative McIntyre's page for updates as well. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think in that in that sense, um, you know, social media has been very helpful in the way that we're able to, to capture information. You know, I, I would caution that with something that um, Tammy said earlier about just the idea of trust, um, you know, and it's it's a sad state for me that, you know, we could put out information that is given to us that's collected by, um, you know, a government agency and yet have it questioned as to whether or not it's true or not. Um, and I do think that that's still a, something that we're wrestling with right now on what is true and what is not true. You know, what is, what is the definition of fact um, when it's put out by someone who's an elected leader who 
society now has um, a, society now listens to what we say with a with a handout approach, you know, like pushing back as to whether or not we're being honest or not, or whether or not it is serving a purpose that's political or not. Um, and I and I think that's difficult. We have a role to play in that. I think that the more that we're able to do things, be successful with one another, um, that the more that there will be a general trust for the institution um, of elected officials. And, you know, I, I say that I think all of us this last week, um, you know, in some way or another, were affected by the loss um, of Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court. And what struck me so much about her passing and what um, was talked about prior or um, after her passing was the deep friendship that she had with Justice Scalia, who was the very opposite of her on the court. And they had extreme disagreements when it came to the way that they interpreted cases that came before the Supreme Court, but they had deep um, respect and love for one another as colleagues, and both of them respected their profession and respected the court way more than they would have ever allowed some kind of difference in, in opinion um, to, to let them tear that institution down. And that, I think, for me, is a big takeaway now is just how are we tearing down institutions because of our unwillingness to get along? The court has long not been politicized by those in the court. Those that are in elected office are now too often politicizing elected office. And we, you know, we may end up being our own downfall in that. One of the last things that I asked Jason was what advice would he give to future lawmakers, to future policymakers, those who would seek office and be elected to serve in the Oklahoma State Capitol? You know, as we look at the future of civility in our public discourse in the state and nation, we need to look to not just the leaders we have today, but the leaders that will one day step up and serve. Did you ask me that question because I'm leaving office? I did not. Is that, uh, is that why you asked me that question? No. Um, no, it, it is a really great question. And, you know, I'd like to answer that in a way. I, I hope that in my uh, discussion this evening that I haven't um, made you all believe that because of incivility that nothing great is happening um, at 23rd and Lincoln at the Capitol uh, or in our state. I'm, I'm a very hopeful person. And, um, you know, and I try to, to live each day in a way that, um, you know, by being positive, you, you can lift someone else up, um, you know, whether or not they're having a bad day or, or a week or a bad COVID cycle or who knows. Uh, but positivity is definitely important. And so I, I guess what I would say for anyone um, that would be coming into, um, you know, my seat, House District 88, um, and, you know, maybe that's a, a good place to start. I sat down and had coffee. Um, I had a, a primary election this summer in which I lost. And uh, about three weeks after uh, the, the primary election was over, I went and had coffee with the person that beat me. Uh, because I think it's important that um, she gets started off on a good foot. Um, you know, I, you know, I look at the, 
the uh, forward in your book, Joel, is written by Governor Stitt. And I hear the question all the time, you know, well, how do you think Governor Stitt's doing? And I say, well, you know, I, I think that you could grade him on all different kinds of scales and come up with any different number or, or letter. But what I hope for Governor Stitt is that he does a great job. Because um, if he's doing a really great job, then our state gets better. And uh, for Mari Turner, who challenged me in a primary and won, um, if she does a really good job in House District 88, then the district is better. And ultimately, that's what I want. Um, I didn't ever run for office because I needed to be called something or, or wanted some kind of power grab. I did it because I felt called into doing work that mattered. And for the last six years, I've had that opportunity. Um, I hope that what I'm leaving my colleagues um, is a, um, a, a healthy sense of bipartisanship, um, the importance of learning more about one another. Um, and it's really simple things. And, you know, I, I know when I've taken my kids and we've gone to Colorado, we drive out uh, through the panhandle. And why do we go that way? Not because it's faster but because we go through a lot of house districts and we've stopped along the way. And so there aren't many house districts that in the last six years I haven't been to and sat down, as Tammy said, and broke bread with another member. But that always helped for difficult conversations so that when we had uh, an abortion bill come up on the house floor and we knew it would be contentious, we knew that we were going to represent different positions on that. It wasn't um, personal. It was about an issue. It was about representation for those that we served for. Um, and we could do that in a way that when it was over, we could walk off the floor and I could ask them how their day was or how their kids were. It was because we spent time together outside of the building. And I think if I could you know, give any lesson to those that are going to go into this position is spend time with the people that you work with um, and not just time on the house floor when you're supposed to be there, when you're quote paid to be there, but spend time with them, you know, out of there and don't just know them from social media, actually know them, you know, go to their district and have coffee with them in their diner. Um, you know, do as uh, Ben Felder's doing right now and go around the state and try a barbecue in their district um, because that's also fun. Um, but it's a way that you connect with others and, and it's, we're losing connection with each other because everything's through our devices. And, um, and the more that we're able to actually connect as humans with one another, the, the more civil we're going to be and the more we're going to get done. One of the questions that came from the audience that night was, how can we get more people to focus and actually turn their attention away from perhaps national politics and take a greater interest and investment in state and local politics. What you're alluding to is how important it is local elections matter for our day to day. Um, I think Joel said it earlier, um, you know, what your city council does probably has more effect on your life than what even we do at state capitol which has more effect on your life than what Congress does for the most part. Um, you know, I definitely think there's a role for local media. Um, you know, I was teasing, um, I don't know if Ben stepped out or not, but I was teasing him earlier about going around the state, you know, looking at barbecue. I can tease Ben because he was in my youth group uh, when I was in seminary in Kansas City. 
Um, but there, there's a really important role for local media to talk about um, things that are happening in our local communities. Um, and what happens in our local communities, um, you know, is reflective of those leaders that are the closest to them. Um, you know, part of the answer to your question, I think, is on all of us in this room is we have to do a better job of paying attention to um, local issues and and less attention, if you can, to MSNBC and Fox News and the kind of national stuff that that is filtering in that causes us that causes emotional reactions in us that then has us um, deciding things locally when it's really outside of here, if that makes sense. One of the last questions that was asked from the audience that night is something that really resonates with a lot of us these days. What do we do when there's a difference in political opinion or position or party, and that difference has made its way into your home, into your close family relationships, maybe a a sibling or a, a, a grown child? And those differences aren't just held casually. They're they're deep convictions that are very personal. And a lot of families are struggling with this question. And I really appreciated the way uh, Representative Jason Dunnington responded to this question in particular. That's a great question. I, um, I am an elected Democrat, uh, but both of my parents are uh, registered Republicans. And um, it always cracked me up because second year in office, I started doing News 9's your vote counts every Sunday morning. And I would remember getting a message at like 1230 every Sunday from my dad who would tell me what his Sunday school class thought of my performance on Sunday morning. And so I was very aware of what my parents, you know, were thinking of my own politics. But, um, you know, I say that jokingly, you know, our families are just as important in this dialogue as when we're talking about our colleagues. And you you don't agree with every, I mean, most people that have ever been married know they haven't always agreed with their spouse. Um, you know, find me a married couple that agrees on everything and I'll tell you they're lying. Um, so it's, but it's learning how to disagree. And it's the fact that when you spend time with people that you care about, that you love, um, you know, it should be okay that you have differences uh, of agreement. But I go back to that whole thing of disagreeing, but not disliking. Um, And, you know, I remember in the teacher walkout, both of my sister-in-laws were teachers and they had strong opinions about what was taking place. um, And, you know, came to the Capitol during the walkout and had strong opinions. Um, But we still had family, you know, dinners on Sundays and found ways to to talk with each other and listen to each other. Um, But I would just say, you don't have to, with our families especially, it's really important that, at least from my perspective, that I'm not trying to persuade them to my side of things, but I'm trying to give them what I think is good information and then just love them and you know listen to what they have to say as well and then you know sometimes we leave disagreeing and that's okay as well thank you for listening to the leaders we need with joel harder 
a podcast from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Oklahoma Capital Culture is a nonprofit organization shaping a culture of civility, integrity, and servant leadership among policymakers through nonpolitical and nonpartisan engagement. Learn more about Oklahoma Capital Culture and how you can help shape the leadership culture at www.capitalculture.com. Original music heard on The Leaders We Need, provided by Scott Allen Matthews at mypodcastmusic.com.